morning. Um, I don't have a joke, but I have a little story for you. A father said to his daughter, you just graduated, and this is a car that I bought for you quite a while ago. It's a few years old, but before I give it to you, I want you to take it to a couple car dealerships in the city and see how much they will offer to buy it from you. The girl uh, went out, went to a car dealership, and came back to her father and said, Dad, they offered $1,000 because they said it looked very old. The father said, that's great. Go to the second one. She went to the second one and returned and said, Dad, they offered me only $100 because it's very old and lots of investment would be needed to get it drive-worthy. Then she went to uh, the third dealership, which was part of a passionate car club. And uh, she came back to her father and she said, Dad, there were several people that offered me $100,000 for my car because it was rare and that it was in good condition with great um, possibilities and super difficult to find. Then the father said, I wanted to let you know that you are not worth anything if you're in the wrong place. If you're not appreciated, don't get angry. That just means you're in the wrong place. Don't stay in a place where no one sees your value. Can I get an amen for that? thought that was pretty good. Luke chapter 15. Young ladies and gentlemen, remember that. Your value is not what someone tells you it is. If you don't like what they're saying, go somewhere else. Move on. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far, far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe uh, uh, famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Have you ever had broken or shattered dreams? 
Have you ever wanted the best for someone and they seem to be on a destructive path and not even desire any help from you? Have you ever been so entangled in a situation that you see no way out? That is how this father from our scripture must have felt. And I believe that our heavenly father must look at us many times in our life and feel the same way. Helpless. This morning, we want to honor our fathers. Men that want to be godly men. I know that there's not a one here that would not lay down his life for his children. That's what we're supposed to do. I also know that there's not one here that has not blown it as a father. How many have messed up, dads? The rest of you are liars. So. <laughs> We've all messed up. Those are the times that we wish we could change the way we handle the situation. Today, I want to look at the father here in our scripture and how he handled himself when things didn't go according to his plan. The parable is a simple story that Jesus told to illustrate a spiritual truth. Now, the prod prodigal, prodigal means one who spends foolishly and wastefully. This is an example of a person that was wasteful, made bad choices in life, and had to come to his senses. Anyone ever relate to that? Made bad choices in our life? Our culture is in an attempt to find themselves. We've slipped off a slippery slope. We've gone further away from God. And most don't even care. We've alienated ourselves from others by letting anyone get close to us. We walk around like this. We've gotten from caring for others. We used to take pictures with others. Now we take selfies. We went, Chris and I went to a, a disaster uh, training up in Colorado. And in this valley... Uh, it, it was kind of in a valley, and it was surrounded by a rim or mountains. And uh, we were we were having dinner with the the coroner and the sheriff, and they were talking about the number one, uh, the most deaths in this town came from selfies. Death by selfies. They would sit, get on the edge of this rim, and they'd be taking pictures and just fall off. We're so consumed by ourselves that we're killing ourselves. Death by selfies. I thought that was hilarious. I never heard of that. But Have you ever seen people? We went to a ball game and, and down in front of us. This was Father's Day or Mother's Day. I don't know, probably six, seven years ago. We went to the Royals games and we're way up. We were way up high and down below us was a bunch of teenage, college-age girls, and they were, they had no idea what was going on in the game. They're just so consumed by themselves. I got a post. I'm at the ball game. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm at the ball game. Look at me. Look at my outfit. Look at my hair. You know, I went behind them. You know. <laughs> this young boy was thinking that his life at home was so bad that he had to leave. This isn't anything new. It still happens today. 
This father had two sons. The younger had decided that he had had enough and wanted to go find himself. He was rebellious. He wanted what he felt his father owed him. Another problem with our society. Everyone owes me. Nobody owes you anything. Nothing. But that's our society. You know, they owe me this. They owe me that. They owe me that. And he felt like they, his father owed him. And he was going to take it and do what he wanted to do with it. Now, his older son stayed and was working with the family on the farm. One stayed and one strayed. Today's society looks at nothing as sin. Everything's acceptable. We make excuse for everything. Because we don't want to feel guilty about our sin. We justify it. We justify every one of our actions so that we feel good about our sin. It is a right for you to do as you please, whether it goes against the family values, moral values, or whether even it gets, goes against God. The church has to be careful that we don't fall into the same trap. We don't grade sin. This is acceptable. This is okay. We're, we're okay with this. We give in and we give, we, we compromise. You look at the church today, we've compromised so much that I'm sure God looks down and goes, I have no idea what they're doing. I didn't write the book, but it is what it is. I don't hate anybody, but God said this is sin. It's sin. Doesn't matter if you like it. Doesn't matter if it hurts your feeling. You have to go into a quiet room. Sorry, don't write me letters. But we get offended by everything. But sin is sin. We grade it. We look at certain sins as acceptable or tolerable, and then some that we just cannot get past. It's funny. <laughs> I told you the story about uh, at the church, Heather, uh, the board, the pastor and the board was fussing at me to tell Heather to keep her shoes on during church. She'd come in with flip-flops, and she'd just kick them off and then go around and hugging everybody and everything like that. Well, this board, you know, this is the board that, it, and again, we're not debating sin or not sin here, but I found it humorous that two of the board members are sitting there smoking cigarettes. One makes his own wine in his basement. The other, you know, the other used to be an alcoholic and, you know, and they're judging someone for taking off their shoes. But my sin or my problem or my anything don't you dare offend me don't you dare say i'm wrong but someone wears something that we don't like he should wear this they should wear that though no, they shouldn't do that they should his beard's too long looking around <laughs> that was by mere accident i don't know um, I want you to know that the shooting that happened in Texas a couple weeks ago and, and then at the church in Alabama on Thursday, that was not the wrath of God coming down on sinners. 
And shame on any Christian that says otherwise. Bad is not the wrath of God. In the Bible, it says God is not the one that does the bad. He does not cause the bad. Satan is the one that causes the bad. Satan is the one that is out to steal, kill, and destroy us. God loves us. He's not the cause of the shooter to go into the place and gun down innocent lives. This country can debate over the cause of the shootings. You can blame the guns. You can even blame mental status of people. But none of that is true. None of that is the cause of it. The truth is that Satan roams around seeking to devour. And there is evil in our land. And evil is the cause of it. We can't push God out of school and wonder why there's problems in school. We can't push God out of our home and wonder why there's problems in our home. I was talking to a young man, time flies, many years ago, and he was talking about that he was having this horrible dreams, and he, you know, he felt like Satan was attacking him here and here and here and here, and he's going on telling me stories of how Satan's attacking him in every area of his life. So I started talking to him about, you know, well, when you pray at home, and he goes, well, I, I don't pray at home. Well, do you read your Bible at home? Well, no, I do at church. I said, so you push God out of every area of your life except Sunday morning, and you wonder why Satan has your life, why Satan is a problem in your life. It's not the guns. It's the evil, demented acts of Satan. Satan is the cause of it. The church has to embrace the fact that lives were lost and that God grieves for the loss of life. Those people's lives mattered to God. And by the way, not judging sin here, God grieved over the shooter's life as well. He doesn't want any life to be lost. He loves everyone. We better set ourselves down and realize that our sin is no better or worse than someone else's. We all need Jesus. <laughs> Most people see this parable about the change in the boy's life and his return to his father. But there's another side of the story. It's of the father that never gave up hope that his son would return. And he had already planned and decided what was going to happen. He didn't just come up that at the, at the spur of the moment. Realize in the scripture there, it said, um, but when he was still, sorry, I didn't, wasn't going to do this, Matt, so you don't have it. But, uh, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell at his neck. He saw him at a great distance. And the only way you see someone is if you're looking for them and you're anticipant for them. That's the way God is. He's not sitting there going, when you come back, you're going to owe me penance. You're going to owe me Hail Marys. You're going to owe me. He is there going, please come back, please come back, looking, begging for us to come back. The boy decided that he was going to leave and demand his portion of the family estate. What is bad is when by him asking, he's basically wishing his father dead. I wish you were dead already so I could get my stuff. Again, 
about me. He wasted his money on wild lifestyle to the point that there was nothing left. Then there came a famine in the land, and he went from wealthy to broke. He went from having many friends with, because of all of his money to no friends because he had nothing to give them. You ever notice how your friends come and go depending on your status, what you have, what you can do for them? They call you a lot when they need something. And then you never hear from them again. It's at this point of need that he remembers that what he had at home was not so bad. Anybody rebel when you were younger and get a point and go, you know what? Wasn't so bad at home. Pretty good back there. That's what he did. He realized that he realized that even the servants that his father had was living better than he was at the time. Now realize it's at our lowest point that sometimes God does his best work. And the reason is, is because we actually listen. <laughs> okay. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we finally turn to the father. He had to hit rock bottom before he woke up. Whether we're sons or daughters that need to return or we're parents of children that have gone astray. God does his best when we're at our lowest. He does more at those times because we open ourselves up to believing that God can do the impossible. This boy was a Jew eating with the pigs. Living with the pigs, slopping around with the pigs. A couple things happen at, the, the, uh, at that point in our lives. We come to our senses. Look here at verse 17. He had an aha moment or a come to Jesus moment. It says, verse 17, it says, But when he had came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have a uh, bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. In the midst of his rebellion, he lost track of the truth. He was so busy looking at me, poor me. My parents make me do dishes. They're so mean. I had someone that worked for me that their kids were calling them mean, and they're like, if you think I'm mean, you should go live with Phil. And I was like, yeah, and I went, wait, what? I didn't know if that was a compliment or, but, you know, they th he thought it was you know, horrible. The son had to come to the point of his life that he was not satisfied where he was. This kid was broken. He had lost everything, home, relationships, his money, all was gone. His family and his father were now looking better and better than they ever did. He lacked resources and was in the need of food. He first tries to fix it himself. That's what we do. We get down there and we're like, okay, I can fix this. Big mistake. He gets a job. That's subpar of what he had at home. 
he had this aha moment that brought him back to his senses, and he reacted. He changed his course and returned home. Now, let me add right here that he could have had this aha moment much sooner. At any point, you know, when his money's running out, when the famine comes along, he could have had that aha moment. He could have said, you know what, this is stupid. But then he had to run out of money. And even that, he could have had it at that moment, but he didn't have it at that moment. He tried to fix it himself. And then he got worse and worse and worse. Then he had his aha moment. Like he hit rock bottom and realized that there was another sub-level to bottom. Anyone ever been there? We could have fixed it at any time. We could have turned back to God. At any time, we could have come home. We could have changed our ways. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know that at some point, you need to have an aha moment. That moment that you know what needs to be done and you're willing to do it. You're willing to put away all our, our, our pride, all our rebellion. That moment that you know what needs to be done. The son knew that it would be better to go back to the father and to take second best than where he was. Now, the return and embrace from the father was a welcome surprise. He didn't expect his father to stand there and welcome him back. A lot of people look at our father that way. I've had people literally tell me, you have no idea what I've done. There's no way that God could love me. There's no way that God could forgive me. There's no way that... And the heavenly father is standing there like this doesn't matter he didn't die for certain sins he didn't die for you know your early sins your late sins the middle sins the ranking of sin he died for all sins for all people he didn't even get a chance to recite his speech before the father embraced him and welcomed him home what an example of God's love. Arms open and embracing us to be part of the family again. That's why we can't grade sin. Sin is sin. God wishes for all his children to come home. He desires to restore what rebellion has stolen. Our rebellion has stolen many blessings from us. Along the way, we... We rebel and then our pride won't let us come back and say, I'm sorry. What happened in Texas was not God's wrath. It grieved his heart for the loss of lives and family members grieving. So be careful what you say in God's name. Be careful when you speak for God. Because he's a loving God and desires to see us return to him. He doesn't condone sin. We don't condone sin at all. Sin is sin. And we stand on God's word, but he opens up the doors. And you remember that old commercial? What, I think it was like Motel 6 will keep the light on for you. All you old people, you remember that one? 
some of the younger ones remember? Yes, I'm not as old. All right, good. But they used to say, keep the light on for you. And that's the way God does. He doesn't lock the door and turn the light out. Too bad, you missed it, bud. You're late. You missed the curfew. Keeps the light on. The door is always open, welcoming you home. Think about this. Our Heavenly Father is not on the throne with a hammer ready to beat his children over the head. He's drawing us to himself, and we need to be willing to respond. That wayward child has to have an open door to be able to be welcomed back into the family. The same way that our Heavenly Father is waiting for his children to come back to him. There is consequence for disobedience, but that is not God's desire. He will give every opportunity for us to come to our senses. He'll make a way all along the way, begging us to come home. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know that our Heavenly Father is wanting us to come to Him. Whether we've made mistakes as parents, whether we've made mistakes as children, He is waiting with open arms for you. This parable celebrates a father hopefully and patiently watching for his child's return and embraced him when he did. It reflects the boundless mercy and love of God and his refusal to limit his love on time and circumstance. That's the example that he's given us as fathers. As long as we have breath, he offers life. He's waiting for you to come back. This society would uh, look like the wayward child never gets a chance to come home. Now, what celebrations would happen this weekend if children would come home? This world needs Jesus. This world needs to turn around and return back to the Father that desires His best for their lives. And it begins with you. He already made His desire known. What are we going to do? Let's bow our heads. If you've never made the decision, whether you're watching online, you're listening, or you're here this morning. If you've never accepted that free gift, maybe Satan has told you, you're too bad, you've done too much, there's no way God would ever love you, you're too late. That's all a lie from Satan. Jesus died on the cross just for you. And for every one of your sins. He did the hard part. All we have to do is come to him. Ask him to forgive us of all of our sins. And then ask him to come into our hearts. But we can't wait till tomorrow. 
We hear about the shootings every day. We hear about car accidents every day. People passing. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins, to take them all away, no matter how bad, no matter what I've done. Lord, we thank you that you stand there with open arms, waiting. Lord, we come to you this morning. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Lord, take away our past. Take away all the sin, all the ugly. Take it out of us, Lord. Come into our hearts. Lord, replace all of that ugly and sin, Lord, with your love and your joy. Come into our hearts. Come into and take complete control of our lives, Lord. We give it all to you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. For the, everyone else, are you a wayward child that needs to come home? Are you the father that needs to open up your arms and say, come home? Some here have strayed from your heavenly father, and some may have strayed from our earthly father. Either way, you thought that you could handle it on your own. You've done it your way. It's time to have an aha moment. To come to our senses. Doesn't matter if you're the father. That you've been stubborn. And unforgiving. Or if you're the child. That's been rebellious. God wants you to come home today. God is all about mending families. Both our heavenly family and our earthly family. The altars are open. To come talk to him. Spend time with him. And let's have our come to senses moment as we worship.